3: Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, Yeah Sometimes we laugh and sometimes we
1: cry But I guess you know now Baby I took a half and Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show Live from the Baby. Service Master by
0: Cornerstone Studios we On, now we on your and it's like ESPN Baby Where did he be at when they said they called? Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. And joining me now is Christian Fowler, senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media. We have a podcast called The On The Bluff Pod. Um, you can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Apple. You can go find the full-length video version on YouTube. We had our Thanksgiving version released today at about noon. But Christian is on X at C Fowler BCM. And uh, what I brought up off the top of the show, now I'm glad, I'm very glad that we had some good news today to sort of Make me feel better about my situation last night uh, of getting my car broken into and nothing stolen. But Christian was also a victim last night when we were recording our podcast. We had our uh, back right windows completely completely broken into. Christian, have you have you gotten your window replaced?
2: Yes, the window has been replaced already in less than 24 hours. Thankfully, I have good friends in this world that that do different trades and can help me out. I will say, though, we uh, we were quote-unquote air quotes robbed by the worst thieves of all time we weren't robbed that's a thing as
0: i already brought i mean yeah. we weren't robbed it's almost no, but you know what
2: no it bothers me though christian it's almost
0: like you if you're gonna break my window steal something like just steal yeah, like no. i don't know man like steal a no, charger steal that, my steal my iphone charger
2: just to, inconvenience
0: are, me a little bit more
2: they are in line with the wet or sticky bandits, whatever you prefer, Martin <laughs> Harry from Home Alone. To keep it with the holiday theme, yeah, that, right. that, that's that's what we got robbed right
0: by. Yeah, that was that was really bad. And it's kind of funny. I did have I had laptop, tablet, now golf clubs. I did have my golf clubs in there. It would have been hard to steal golf clubs, though. That's a that's a it's a big item to go steal. So I I don't really blame them for that. But um, there's a lot of things that they could have taken advantage of. They did not take advantage of any of. It.
2: That's my wallet that's was in right there. And yeah, your wallet they, was in they, there. <laughs> thank the Lord they did not take it, dude. Because if I would have had to cancel all my cards and get a new ID and all that stuff, that would have been such a pain in the butt. Well, but luckily I, they left it.
0: I think we're away from like if you don't have cash in the wallet, is it really worth stealing the wallet? Right? You know what I mean? Because it's
2: all, it's all, it's all trackable. You have to have pins and stuff. So I get why they didn't. I guess in theory, but I, you could see someone like Mad Dash scrambling in that moment and just grabbing something. I mean, that, that was the most empty-handed robbery attempt of all time. <laughs> they, they literally left with nothing. There was thousands of dollars on the line, and they they blew up. I mean, yes. for all intents and purposes, what, they blew up.
0: What's also what's also kind of funny to me is they got me and you. Um, but our producer, good old Kenny Stubblefield, um, his car was untouched, completely untouched. And maybe somebody pulled up at that moment, well, and, and, and whoever so, it was, or maybe it was multiple multiple people had to sprint around the building to hide themselves, but they uh, only got two of the three cars that were out there.
2: Yeah, another one of our, our good friends that does a, does a podcast in our studio after us, uh, Trey Lasley of the Tigers Untapped podcast, said he had been sitting out there for thirty minutes. So my theory is he pulled up, they saw lights, they took off and they didn't get Kenny. So good for Kenny that they didn't get him. They did get us in the minor inconvenience of having to replace windows, but luckily they didn't take anything. So at the end of the day, kind of a funny story that we can just tell yeah. on the radio. <laughs> and
0: problem. then and then and then we got we got good news today. So I'm in I'm in good spirits. I'm getting my window replaced tomorrow, so Hey, I got a good deal on it. I'm going to get over to Jack Morris in the morning to go, go handle my back right window. But we got good news today. You talked about, uh, you know, if we had thousands of dollars in the car, it would have been uh, unfortunate if they would have uh, found that and t- taken it. But we have millions of dollars being uh, put into the uh, Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium project um, from Fred Smith, a gift in general. Now, it looks like the University of Memphis is going to try to pony up their end and, and, and find uh, 50 more million to go make that happen there's going to be 120 million given from the state, so 220 million altogether is what they're planning to put into Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, and then the rest uh, will be allocated to uh, FedEx Forum. And it looks like the Grizzlies have signed off. This was, you know, obviously having both things handled at once in full is the best case scenario. But considering the state funds, we're not going to be able to cover all of that, and there's not enough people out there that are willing to pony up a bunch of money, Fred Smith seems to be the guy that, that comes in and saves everything all the time here in the city of Memphis. This is about as good as it could have gotten. I mean, this is, this is a great day for the city of Memphis and, and its sports teams and venues.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, no, like you said, it is the best case scenario. And spe- uh, let's talk specifically University of Memphis football because, you know, we've talked a lot about this when the when that number was thrown out several months ago is is ultimately what would go to the university of memphis football program for a lot of this time i think a lot of people have speculated that it wouldn't be necessarily what they needed to make massive upgrades or um or, or to just uh, to in, to make to enhance the overall experience of simmons bank liberty stadium so this this amount of money is exactly what they need. It's best case scenario. We know we've seen the renderings. We know what they want to do. Uh, we know what the overall long term goal is. And obviously, this is this is huge for that. So, and and also it's good just to know now because this yep. has been a question surrounding the Memphis sports venues over the last several months, and it's kind of been uh, not a huge point of contention, but it has been a point of contention. Just you know, certain people thinking X amount of money should go to the football program or X amount of money should go to the Grizzlies and how it was all going to line out. So like you said, for it to all be done and over and for us to know where that money is being allocated now is a big win. And obviously extremely happy for the university of Memphis football program that they're getting that amount of money and it will be able to, to do the things that they have been attempting to do to make the overall experience for fans, players, and everything in between. At Simmons Bank Liber- Liberty Stadium, as good as they can possibly be, and it is—it's overdue, as we've mentioned multiple times.
0: And and it's beautiful too. Like I, I think one of the biggest questions, and I have two questions in general, but one of them is was about the Grizzlies. They're not getting their full amount. So are they fully on board? Like are they, they being that they're not fully taken care of? Where are they at? Jason Wexler came out there, president, and said we support the city's proposed allocation of 120 million in state grant funding to Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. And 230 million in state grant funding to the FedEx Forum project as we continue to work with the city and county on a long-term deal, which is obviously re-upping their lease at the end of it, so they can stay in the city of Memphis. It's good to see, right? Like that was a big question: if the Grizzlies don't get their full allocated amount and they don't have the exact amount of funds to go get their project done, are they going to be happy enough? And it feels like the Grizzlies signed off on this whole thing, and that is a like that's the that's the biggest win in general. We've talked about it. As much as we want to see Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, the Liberty Bowl, upgraded, this was always going to come down to can you keep the Grizzlies happy enough to keep them in the city of Memphis because they are the pro franchise. They're very, very important to what we do here sports-wise. The fact that they signed off on it is a is a awesome sign and, and a welcome sign, no question.
2: Without a doubt. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like, it is the pro franchise in the city of Memphis and keeping them happy and um, – you know, pushing them towards renewing that lease and keeping everything in Memphis, and not not even getting to the point of where it's putting pressure on the city to say, "Okay, we may look elsewhere, or we may right. try to relocate." Uh, that is not a situation that the city wanted to be in, clearly, and so they were able to make them happy. You mentioned what Jason Wexler said, and it, it's all a good sign. It all, to me, worked out about as good as it could have for both sides, and and then the biggest. The biggest thing to it was keeping the Memphis Grizzlies happy and it appears that they did that. And that means a lot for this city just economically and what what this sports city is and what the Grizzlies mean to the sports culture of Memphis and keeping that here is obviously huge.
0: Now then the other question is, okay, fifty million dollars raised by the University of Memphis, can they get that done? I'm not I'm not fully sure. I think they can at least get part of it, which is which is fine in the grand scheme of things, as long as you're getting at least something done and renovating that stadium where we're in good standing. And we have some clarity on that now, which is, which is beautiful. Uh, and I think also something that I, I left out in this conversation is the most important thing is it looks like the, the university of Memphis is going to take over operating of, of, of the SIM of, of Simmons bank Liberty stadium. And that's massive in itself. The, un I mean the, the, the city has, I mean, quite frankly, struggled with that over the years. They've had to spend two million dollars every four years on new turf and um, whatever project was on the on the horizon. Now they don't have to do that. The University of Memphis takes on that, and they can't really blame the city for you know having trash out and do all doing all these things they They take it upon themselves now, which I think is is sort of the best thing for not just the University of Memphis for the city. The city doesn't have to deal with a it, quite frankly, and let's be honest. And I see a lot of city councilmen saying the same thing: a, a liability in, in in the Simmons in, in in Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. They don't have to take the fall for everything that goes wrong with it.
2: For sure. And then, it, 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 in hand with that, with it taking the pressure off of the city, it really allows the University of Memphis to to control things a little bit better yep. and to do things how how they want. And there's not that contention between school and city and how things are being operated. They get to make those decisions. They get to do things. And- as they want to. You mentioned replacing turf and stuff like that. Like they get to make those calls and they get to pay for those things now. So overall it is got to be a much better situation just for the university of Memphis, not to have to go through another Avenue to get things done or to be able to point to them and pin things on them when maybe they aren't doing exactly what the school thinks they should. So I I think also in that Avenue, it is, it's perfect because you get to rely on your school who is, playing the games there and doing things there to run the stadium and to make the, uh to call the shots and to make the calls on all those different things so it, it, to me everything today that we heard from allocation of money between the grizzlies and the university of memphis and for that aspect of it as well everything being handed over to the university of memphis when it comes. Well, that's to still the, has to pass but it seems stadium, like that's going to right right it, We're kind of kind of projecting a little bit but it seems like like you mentioned with the councilman and stuff like that that everybody kind of wants that to happen so i don't see why it wouldn't so overall very very good news day i know it's not sports as far as product on the field but we know how important this behind the scenes stuff is and obviously Money makes the world go round, so of course yeah. that's going to be a big deal as well. So overall, I think today was a a really good day for the city of Memphis and then for the University of Memphis. And
0: and sidebar too, with with you know potentially passing over ownership of uh, Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium to the University of Memphis. That's another income stream. It may not be right. massive, but that is that's always it's helpful. Something. It's something. It's yeah. something where they weren't getting. They were having to lease lease it out. They were having to pay money to go you know, play games in there consistently. So that, that's nice. Right. That's nice in itself. Now uh, let's talk about the game that happened on Saturday in, the, in Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. Uh, well, what, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about uh, the SMU game? 38-34, Tigers drop a, another close one against the team that they were underdogs against. Um, we, we've, we've seen the Mizzou, the Tulane, and the SMU game. Um, games they were not supposed to win, they did not win. They've won all the games they're supposed to. I mean, Temple is next; they could they could finish this thing nine and three. But but what do you what did you think that game came down to, and why the Tigers couldn't get over top?
2: Yeah, there are so many layers to this game, and overall to this season, and we've talked a lot about that. But everything that's relevant that we've talked about throughout the year showed up a little bit differently than maybe we expected it to play out on Saturday. The the last several weeks we've talked a lot about the defense and that they've left a lot to be desired and they were not by any means perfect against SMU on Saturday. They allowed 38 points. Uh, they allowed kind of a, a death knell drive there at the end of the game where SMU went down and scored a touch a touchdown. But to me in this game specifically, and it may not look like it from the box score. It may not look like it from the scoreboard, but if you really went and watched the game and broke the game down, the offense was given opportunities by the defense, to go win this game or at bare minimum put a ton of pressure on SMU and get a lead late in the fourth quarter, midway through the fourth quarter. The defense made two stops that allowed the offense to get on the field with a, with a potential chance to go take a lead, and the offense didn't capitalize on either one of those opportunities. Now you can go back and say, well, Memphis wouldn't even been in this game if the offense wouldn't have been playing so well throughout the majority of it. And, yes, that is true. But to win these games, to win games against really good opponents and, you know, in, in cases where it's a better opponent, a team that was favored against you uh, in, in really every avenue, whether it was, you know, the the spread or ESPN Football Power Index, like whatever it was, SMU was expected to win this game relatively handily. I think they were, what, nine and a half Nine and, and a half point if favorites. Not, yep. Yeah, if I'm not, yeah. So nine and a half point favorites, you weren't expected to win this game or, to be extremely competitive, but Memphis was given chances. Memphis's offense was given chances late in the game to capitalize and, and really put the pressure on SMU's offense and allow momentum to continue to be built for the defense, and they just they fell flat, and it's yep. unfortunate because this defense hasn't given the offense many opportunities over the last several weeks to get out to a lead or to to feel good about getting stops just in general let's call it what it is. And they did in this game and the offense just wasn't able to capitalize. So it was, it was unfortunate because they had chances. They had opportunities to go do it, to go make it happen, to at least get a late game lead and, you know, potentially get another stop. And the offense faltered. And after the defense got a couple stops, the levy kind of broke and they weren't able to get, you know, stops on the final two drives, allowing a field goal. And then ultimately a touchdown that, that really put it out of reach. So it was a little bit different than we expected, um, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate because they had it's, a chance and they, it just didn't happen. It's frustrating
0: because I see a lot of people blaming the defense, and I think defensively they were not great by any stretch of the imagination. They gave up too much to L.J. Johnson Jr. Preston Stone had a good day at the office, but we kind of expected that. Ultimately, what what really frustrated me is early in that fourth quarter. Once you really needed a score from that offense, down three, uh, whether you're tying the game or going to take a lead, you had a a drive where you had three plays, three passes, all incomplete, you had to punt it, and then the defense gets another stop, and then it became uh, penalties that completely derailed you. You you threw one down to Kobe Drake on an RPO, and you had an illegal man downfield that put you behind the chains, you weren't ever able to get ahead of the chains after that, and then you punt, and you pin him inside the one, and you have an illegal formation, then you punt again, you pin him inside the 15, and you had a personal foul. At that point, I think most everybody knew what was about to happen. you You hadn't taken advantage of two straight opportunities. you you had the self-inflicted wounds, and it just felt over at that point, unfortunately, right? Like that I, yeah. I don't know if yeah. I mean, I, I after that first drive of three call from mom, answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows
1: nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
3: Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
0: And completions, I felt like it was over, but once they got another chance, it sort of opens the door again, and then you saw the illegal man downfield and all those yellow flags, and you just... You 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 got that familiar feeling of oh a little bit of hopelessness.
2: I, I felt the same exact way after the, the three and out that you're mentioning. I was like, all right, here we go. You know, SMU is going to get the ball back, go down and score, and the defense made a stop. And then you kind of start looking around, like, okay, maybe you know, maybe this is like this is the best opportunity they might have for the rest of the game. And then penalties derailed that drive. And then after the the special teams errors that you're talking about, it really felt pretty hopeless. Yep. and I believe—I mean—that I believe that drive into, was that the field goal drive or was that the touchdown drive? I, I that was, say that uh, was when,
0: a, when SMU went straight back down after the uh, personal foul. That was a touchdown drive.
2: That was a t- yeah. That was that was kind of game set match right there. But it is what it is. I mean, it is what it is. You can't change it now. It's it's unfortunate because they had a chance to win this game. And the defense really wasn't good, like you said. Like yeah. we're not trying to take the pressure off of the defense and say that this was some great performance. But they did have their. There's downs. moments they you weren't.
0: need to step up, and I thought they stepped up at the end of the game when you needed them to. The offense didn't do the same, though, unfortunately.
2: And, and even in the first half, they gave them a chance. What was what did SMU have at halftime? 14 points, I believe. It
0: mm-hmm.
2: sounds right. Yeah, uh, 14, 14 points. points. And for the majority of the first half, SMU could not get their passing game going. Yes, they were rel- relying heavily on L.J. Johnson Jr. Uh, to run the ball, and and I get that. But at the same time, like, they weren't allowing a ton of conversions. They, play- they played well on third down. Uh, at, at one point, I think it was maybe early in the second quarter, maybe even midway through the second quarter, uh, Preston Stone's only completion was a 43-yard touchdown right. on the first drive, which... Coincided with a Memphis turnover uh, that put the defense in bad position. Defense got them to a fourth down, uh, went to a straight man coverage, and R.J. Maryland beat him over the top. But other than that, for the majority of the first half, SMU's passing game was pretty non-existent. Like yep. this was Memphis's best defensive performance over the last while. Weeks. Now was it was it good enough? No, it it wasn't. It wasn't a good defensive performance, but it was better than what we had seen in the the previous three weeks, and it gave Memphis a chance to win this game and potentially do something special and offense just didn't capitalize.
0: Yep, talking with Christian Fowler, at C. Fowler, BCM, senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media. Now, I I, I brought this up yesterday, and I'm just curious your thoughts, and I understand there's nuance to this because you're in a conference that you should seemingly walk through. Now, we do have to give the Tigers a little bit of credit. They've beaten every team they're supposed to beat to this point. Now, Temple is next up. Um, But are we at a point with all of the, you know, uh, surrounding factors with the conference not being so good with the out of conference not being as as good as, as possible with losing to the teams you're supposed to lose to and not getting over top of some of those teams every once in a while have we gotten to a point where we can't quite enjoy and obviously i'm assuming that they're going to win next week against temple they're 11 point favorites on the road have we gotten to a point where 9 and 3 is just not not that not that enjoyable like is that is that where we're at? Like from an expectation standpoint with
2: this program, is nine and three not enjoyable? That is such a tough question because you you said it. There's so much nuance to it. Like there's so many different things that you can point to, and I think the thing that a lot of fans go back to, and I totally understand this, is you know six and six the last two years is basically nine and three in this new look conference, and I don't disagree with that. But over the past two years, there have been games in both seasons where you went into it saying this is a game that Memphis should win.
0: And they've lost. And they didn't. Yep.
2: And uh, there's one game left. There's, you know, they, they could, in theory, go drop this game to Temple. That would be a horrible loss because Temple is not good at all. But up to this point in the season, eleven games in, Memphis has won every game that they were supposed to win, and the only games that they've lost are games that they were underdogs. and
0: relatively win. close losses against a top
2: ten team
0: in St. Louis, right. against Mizzou, uh, you know, a top twenty team in Tulane, a team that probably will will crack into the top twenty five here relatively soon, in SMU, right? Yeah, I and I am not saying I am not like shooting bail by any stretch of the imagination, but no. like it. it it's interesting because nine and three at one point regardless of schedule at this at, at, at the University of Memphis with the football program was always was always an enjoyable damn outcome right like that was that was as good as you could have hoped for but based on what we've seen since 2014 four different nine plus win seasons it's just the
2: expectation
0: has shifted so substantially in 10 years
2: yeah it absolutely has and and you mentioned the close losses to the good teams and I think that's if you're looking for a silver lining, if you're looking for something to have a little bit of hope in, and I understand the season wasn't perfect, Memphis is not going to compete for an AAC championship, which is what their goal was. And honestly, e- even though Memphis has only won one outright, it is it does kind of seem to be the expectation from the fan base, which yep. is not a bad thing. Like you should have ex- expectations. It means that you've you've earned the right
0: to have expectation. Right, yeah, Like, I, I, I'm all yeah. for high expectation. You've earned it. But I think there's some – like, I saw one, and this is just one person, but saying, well, if if Ryan does not capitalize and uh, find a way to get the group of five spot in the 12-team uh, playoff, well, then you have to think about moving on from him. I think that is an unrealistic expectation. I think we should strive, no question, for AAC championship appearances and wins and the whole thing. But at the end of the day, if you, if your expectation is – once the playoff expands you need to be competing for national championships that's that seems absolutely nuts to me
2: that's nuts (laughs) that that is that is taking a big jump but I I do I do want to hit on this real quick because there has been a lot of talk about Ryan Silverfield and you know is, is he the guy that can continue leading Memphis football in the right direction and it, it is a tough question, but I will I will point to a, a, a couple things. And like I said, these arguments can go either way. Uh, I, I know it hasn't been perfect this year, but I will say we can at least objectively look and see that there has been at least some improvement. And the first point that I already mentioned was that they won every game that they were supposed to win. The second thing is playing close against these good opponents. And I know that it, it is not – We do not live in a world where those kind of morality victories are a thing. And they shouldn't be. You shouldn't get brownie points for playing close. But at least optically, from being a fan, like from a fan perspective, you would much rather play close against Missouri and SMU and Tulane than get the doors blown off like they they have over the last couple years against Tulane and Cincinnati and, and, and in these other games against the best opponents on our schedule, Memphis wasn't even competitive. Uh, Cincinnati and Tulane embarrassed Memphis. And Memphis was not embarrassed this year. They they were competitive in those games, albeit not winning, so it doesn't count for anything. But I think it does at least, at least show a little bit of improvement and show that, okay, maybe another step can be taken in the right direction. Will that happen? Who, who knows? You know, we can't. We can't predict the future and sit here and say next year Memphis is going to win those games, that they're not favored to win, and they're going to go on some magical conference championship run. We can't say that. But we can say that things seem to be trending in the right direction, and with having a weaker schedule, obviously that helps. But, no, I'm here for it. I like the high expectations. There should be high expectations for this football program. They've shown that they can be one of, if not the best, group of five schools in the country that they can compete for conference championships that they can go play in New Year's Six Bowl. So the precedent was set, and the precedent was set in a tougher conference. So I'm all here for the expectations. There should be high expectations for this football
0: program. Now, last thing on Memphis football, I do – you know, defense has struggled. And Matt Barnes, I think uh, as you get to the offseason, Ryan's going to have to have a a conversation with himself and the staff about if they want to look in a different direction at the defensive coordinator position. Um, But on the offensive side, I I think one thing, if I'm going positive – I think you need to give credit where credit's due to Tim Cramsey. I had questions about his innovation and what he was going to be able to do with the set of circumstances this year. We had a lot of questions about the offense and how they were going to come together as Seth Hennigan. You know, early in the season, we had questions about Seth Hennigan. Is he taking a step back? But everything seems to have been righted on the offensive side of the football. I know we talked about them not coming through in the SMU game when it was, uh, when it was massive for them to come through when the defense finally got a couple of stops. But when you look at that, Game in general, just that game. Um, Seth Hennigan threw for 402 yards, two TDs, didn't turn the ball over, um, didn't have the the interception. Although it, it was it was a fumble by Demir across the middle. Yeah, I think you could have called it either way, as an interception or a fumble, but they called it a fumble. Um, but that was a top ten defense uh, scoring uh, scoring defense in the in the country. That SMU defense, and they sort of got what they want. They moved the ball relatively well, and they've moved the ball really well against everybody in conference seemingly this entire year they put up 27 against Mizzou right they they had a solid lead against Tulane and then they sort of floundered down the stretch of that game but um it was close it was solid the the offense you never had that thought that they just could not move the ball at all the 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 running game got a little bit better although there has been some ups and downs but there has been you know significant downs the last 3 years with this run game Tim Cramsey – as much as I had questions about him and this offense coming into the year, I think that he deserves a lot of credit for what he accomplished.
2: Completely agree. And if I would have told you or any Memphis fan that going into week 11, going into the SMU game, that Memphis would have had a top 10 scoring offense in the country, you either wouldn't have believed me I wouldn't have believed you. or you would have been extremely shocked. So, I mean, it, it's, it's been much better than the last two years. And even let's not forget early in the season, we were talking about innovation and creativity and maybe this isn't the answer. And they really flipped the switch and turned it on. And this offense has been one of the best in the country down the stretch. So absolutely the Tim Cramsey and the offensive staff deserve a ton of credit. Uh, They also deserve a ton of credit for the guys that they brought in during the off season. Demir Blancomcy has been really, really good. Blake Watson as, turned himself into probably a future NFL guy. Uh, Rock Taylor's development has been an extremely welcome sight for a player that came into Memphis having very high expectations and has finally delivered on those expectations this season. So, overall, yes, this offensive staff deserves a ton of credit because I think all of us pretty much thought that this was going to be a middle-of-the-road offense again, that they'd be really good against bad defenses and that they would struggle – Against good defenses, but as you mentioned, every game that they've played this year, for the most part, they've been really effective, even in those games against Missouri, who has had a really good defense throughout the year. Uh, Would they hold Tennessee to, what, 10 points in the win over them, and uh, SMU as well? I mean, Memphis scored more points against SMU than Oklahoma did. So, overall, major improvements from the offense, which, which had to come. And, yep. and you mentioned, yes, there are questions on the defensive side of the ball for that staff and what will happen during the offseason. But it feels like Silverfield finally has his offensive staff set and should be able to feel good about them moving forward.
0: And I think the largest thing is the explosivity's back. They, they 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 get those big yep. chunk plays. Big that play. was something you were missing. Uh, You know, the last two and a half years. And that has been a welcome sight as well. Now on to uh, Memphis Tiger basketball. Are they ready for uh, what's waiting for them in uh, the Bahamas? I know they took the trip out there. Uh, They're they're out there right this second. But Michigan, maybe Arkansas, North Carolina, Villanova, all these types of opponents. Are they ready to uh, to deal with this this out of conference slate? Um, that obviously started with Mizzou, but we see Mizzou lost to Jackson State, so maybe that that win may not hold up as well. But this is a massive, massive point in the season. I know it's early for the Tigers and their resume building come tournament time.
2: Yeah, I I think we would feel a lot more confident if Missouri would have gone out and thumped Jackson State, but they didn't. So I know that, that obviously took some shine off of that win, and you can't, you can't change that. I mean, you can't sit here and say, well, you know, you can't basketball mass it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You can't you, you can't do that. It's just not as impressive of a win as we thought it would be. But regardless of that, Memphis has taken care of everybody on their schedule. They've won every game by 15-plus points. They've shown that they have gelled very well for a team that only got to practice together for a few months. And I said this going into the Missouri game, and I know things have changed, but Penny Hardaway's team's just play so much better in those big game situations. And and Memphis didn't know going into that Missouri game that Missouri was going to go out and eventually lose to Jackson State and maybe they weren't as good as national media thought they were. So it doesn't change the fact that that was a big game going into it that they knew was a quality opponent or believed was a quality opponent at that time. And so I think that still bodes well for this team. And also, you have the caveat of your head coach will be on the sidelines for the first time. There you go during this season and that changes things it, we i don't know how much has been said about it from the players about how they feel about penny hardaway not being able to coach the first several games of the season but i promise you there's motivation behind it yep. no doubt i mean look at look at what's happening at michigan right now look at what the university of Memphis, michigan football program is doing uh with no hardball on the sidelines and how that's kind of fueled them i'm not saying it's the, exactly the same situation but still, I know motivation comes from situations like this when your coach isn't on the sidelines and it's because of something that the NCAA deemed. Like every, every player has something against the NCAA. Nobody is a fan of the NCAA players, fans, media. No one likes the NCAA. You can pretty much broad stroke yeah. that one. Yeah, for sure. So no. I, I just feel like there will, there will be extra motivation for that. There will be extra motivation for the fact that they're in a big-time early season tournament in the Bahamas against some of the biggest names in college basketball. You mentioned Michigan, uh, North Carolina, Villanova, Arkansas. Like These are very, very big names in the college basketball landscape, and Memphis wants to be elite. And so they know that they, they kind of have to have a chip on their shoulder uh, during this tournament and do whatever they can to prove themselves among the best teams in the country. And I, I, just, I just have a feeling that they're going to be ready and prepared for these teams and for these big moments.
0: Yep, now final thing um goofy or not that they were left off the AP top 25 this week
2: absolutely goofy yeah, I agree. As, it's I'm it's absolutely you. wild that that they weren't and i get it it's early season and i also get it it's the ap poll it doesn't matter like it doesn't determine anything at all but still like there are teams that are in the top 25 that have ugly losses and that have not looked good as a team through the first week or so of the season, two weeks of the season. Memphis has played three opponents, as I mentioned. They've won every game by 15-plus. They've looked really good. They have top-tier talent at pretty much every starting position. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me why they were left off. People are going to say, well, Missouri lost to Jackson State. Why would they put them back on? who cares like this team has been really good they've looked and there's other teams, teams in, the in the top 25 that have
0: lost i mean FAU loses to Bryant you have a uh, USC who got a nod in the ap top 25 losing to UC Irvine right like right. you have you have Michigan State who's lost two games including one to James Madison and they're ranked one spot ahead of James Madison and they're still in the in the poll so right. <laughs> i figured with all the teams losing and Memphis not having lost, just I don't care if they beat Alabama State, Jackson, whatever it is, I figured if they were 26 last week, if they were right outside looking in, with those other teams losing, you probably give them a nod at 25, 24, something like that, but that was not the case.
2: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. There's no, no rhyme or reason to it. And hopefully they can go beat some of these big-name teams. And, you know, if you beat – Michigan and Arkansas just start the yes. tournament. Let's say as a, there's no way, there's no way that they won't be in. Next I, I I what. will
0: I'll go out on a limb and say if they beat Michigan and Arkansas in back-to-back games and go two and one in this uh this uh, battle for Atlantis, I think they'll be in in good hands. I think they'll be in the AP Top
2: twenty-five. You would think so. Yeah, but you you never know.
0: Yeah, you never know. I guess I guess that's the case. And you say there's no rhyme or reason. I think the rhyme or reason is that there's uh, too many voters that don't actually uh, watch yeah, ball.
2: I, <laughs> you know. Uh, like I, I, I think I, that's I it. I don't disagree. Yeah. I do not disagree with you at all there.
0: For sure. Well, Christian, I appreciate it, man. Um have fun on Thanksgiving. Enjoy time around family. Yep.
2: I hope everybody has a happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back next week.
0: Yes, sir. That is Christian Fowler, senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media. He's on X at C Fowler, BCM. Check out our podcast on the Bluff, Spotify, Apple, full-length video version on YouTube. Now I need to go ahead and transition into the Blitz where Tom Brady was joining the Stephen A. Smith podcast and he said that there's a lot of mediocrity in the NFL. Do I agree with it? Do I not agree with it? I'll, I'll tell you. On the other side, 92.9 FM, ESPN.
1: Baseball is back and so is MLB.TV. Watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand.